0: If you would take your scriptures, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, we'll be reading the entire chapter, verses 1 through 35. Proverbs 3, would you give ear to the reading of God's word? My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions, and with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as the Father, the Son, in whom he delights. Happy is the man who finds wisdom, and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Length of days are in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who retain her. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths were broken up, and clouds dropped down the dew. My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then they will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes for your Lord, will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Do not devise evil against your neighbor. For he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without a cause if he has done you no harm. Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. O Lord, remember your word to your servants, for you have given us hope. Our comfort in our suffering is this, your promise preserves our lives. The arrogant mock us without restraint, But we do not turn from your gospel. We remember your ancient words, O Lord, and we find comfort in them. Indignation grips us because of the wicked who have forsaken your truth. Our obligations and your objectives are the theme of our lives. O Lord, give us the strength to hear your word and to apply what we hear to our lives. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand as we come to your word. We ask this. In Christ's name. Amen. In our last sermon. We looked at the believer's priorities. That the believer should study God's word. Obtain godly wisdom. Practice godly living. Achieve spiritual growth. Follow God's directions. And exercise self-discipline. If the believer. Does these things. He's going to be brought to the point in his daily life that he will begin to see some very clear objectives for his life. In 1 Peter chapters 1 and 2, we're told that we're to live holy lives. We're to live holy lives, why? Because our God is holy. How are we we to accomplish such a seemingly impossible task? 1 Peter one twenty two says it so simply, obeying the truth. If the priorities of your life are in line with those that's given you in God's word, then your objective in this life is going to be pleasing to your Heavenly Father. The believer's objectives will be the very things which will help achieve a holy life. First Peter 2 1 tells you if your objective is to be holy as God is holy, then you must rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, evil, and slander of every kind. Get rid of it. It doesn't do you any good. I think that it is self evident that the responsibility of carrying out these objectives belongs to each individual believer. You're responsible. It shows that we are to desire to grow up in our salvation. As we look at the objectives God's word says we should have as true believers, we need to concentrate on Proverbs chapter 3. This lays it out. We're going to be looking at that this morning. We shall find that our first objective has to be a close personal relationship with God. Second, we must seek a faithful application of God-given principles in our life. Third, we seek a godly perspective on life. Fourth, we have to establish a dependence on God for our daily living. Fifth, we have to have a wholesome relationship with others. Sixth, we must always be God's blessing and reward to others, those who are around us. The first objective in your relationship with God must be to make that relationship closer and more personal each day. Now, how do we begin this process? Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands, for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. I want you to look at the words of this opening. These are not words of a stern command, but words of a loving father. He says, my son, my children, he is ever seeking to persuade you not to forget. He has called his children to seek and search for wisdom. He has shown that this wisdom that comes from above is invaluable, and it carries with it great blessings. He speaks not of the weakness of the mind to remember but to the heart, the forgetfulness of the heart. Isn't that true with us? You put God's words in your mind, but but if you don't believe it in your heart, it's going to go away. You need to keep it in your heart and remember it constantly. For it is the heart that is to be like the ark of the testimony. What did they keep in the ark of the testimony? They kept the Ten Commandments, the law. They were placed in that ark of the testimony. There's no laws but God's laws that can bind the heart of men. So where is the place that we're going to keep them? In the heart. That's the ark of our testimony. It is in the heart that all acceptable obedience begins. All right, here's the principle. Man was created with a perfect heart. But he sinned, and his heart was perverted. And he made his heart as hard as stone. Without God's working in a man's heart and softening, he can never hear the truth of God's word nor be obedient to his laws. It's impossible for him to. God explains in Jeremiah 31:33, He will put a new heart in the breast of the beloved people and he will write his will, his law upon their hearts. That's what he does when he gives you that new heart. He does this so you can begin to be obedient. This is the promise of the new covenant. Without the new heart and without the blood of Jesus, no man can be obedient. No man can stand before a holy God. Solomon says there's a reward to being obedient. You are promised a long and happy life. He says, length of days is a promise to the righteous. I would ask you to remember, this life to the wicked is nothing more than a curse. To the people who love God, it's a trial of faith and patience, and to all it's a weariness. To the righteous, even in the face of difficult trials, the first objective is to be obedient. That means it's only through obedience that their relationship with God begins to grow. They begin to understand the term length of days as an eternal relationship. So, how does this lead into a godlike character? Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4. Let not mercy and truth forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. The mercy and truth here can mean love and faithfulness. These two, no matter what you call them, are the glorious perfections of God. You are to rest upon them and them alone for your salvation. Love and faithfulness. Love your fellow man. Love God. Love your fellow man. Be faithful to what God gives you. As you trust in them to save you, you must also be developing them in your life. Where do they come from? Jesus brought them into this world for us. He's shown us that love and faithfulness. You're to be molded into the image of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the God-man revealing the true character of the Father. These two attributes must work in combination in your life. A man can be very just in his dealings and have absolutely no mercy. You are told as children of God to put on bowels of mercy. You are to fill yourself with that mercy. God has extended his mercy to you, so you must extend it to others. You must develop a God-like character. I trust you all know about the star Polaris, commonly called the North Star. If you go to the North Pole and you look directly over your head, you see the North Star. At least that's what I've been told. I've never been there. That makes it a wonderful navigational aid from anywhere north of the equator. Do we have a spiritual North Star? Do you have a spiritual North Star? Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Here's the polar star of the child of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now take that and put it in your heart. Whenever you have a problem, look to that. That's where you'll find your direction. Total commitment to God's word is the only way the child of God can find his way through life. Not only must your trust be complete, but it also must be exclusive. No other confidence, whether in the flesh or in the spirit, can share the heart and your trust in God. Even man, with his overabundance of pride, wants something he can lean on. That seems to be human nature. So he tends most to lean upon himself and upon his false ideas and foolish imaginations. Human power becomes his idol. His own perverted understanding becomes his goal. Becomes his God, really. Men will examine the word of God and they will judge it as unacceptable because it denudes them of their own self-pride. Let all who believe in the name of Jesus be weaned off this idolatry of self. Also, they shall be weaned of the curse of seeking their own heart as counselor. Let all come in the true poverty of spirit to God, seeking him alone to guide them along their path. Mm-hmm. That's the North Star for us. It's God. It's his word. It's Jesus Christ. If we will just focus on him, we'll never be lost. The second objective is to begin a faithful application of God-given principles in your everyday life. We have already been warned against self-confidence. How do you overcome the idea of this self-confidence? How do you get around it? You better not try. You need to overcome it. Proverbs 3, verses 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Wisdom. Wisdom based on your own confidence is holy and self-delusion. Put it away. Let it be your wisdom to fear the Lord and turn from evil. This fear, this turning away from evil will be a healing balm to your life. In 1 Peter 1, verses 15 through 16, you are told to be holy because God is holy. The more effort you use to emulate your Lord, the more you realize that by your own power, it's simply impossible. I can't do it myself, Lord. The only way to achieve holiness and humility in your life is through complete submission to the Word of God. you got to recognize He's the one. He's the one that has all the answers. Open your ears and hear. Open your heart and understand this glorious message of hope given in God's Word. Next, we learn to be faithful in all we have. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. How do you go about showing all the changes brought about by your newfound trust in God? How do you do that? The way, the way Scripture tells you to show it is to be faithful stewards of Of the material possessions God has so graciously given you. You show what has happened in your life by how you act outwardly. What do you have God didn't give you? He gave you everything. What kind of steward are you being of the things he gave you? To the man of the world, this sounds like total foolishness. He says, I worked hard to earn all I have and I'm not going to give it up so easily not the servant of God. He sees the material possessions he has as gifts given by a gracious God. He says, it's not mine. It belongs to God. And I'm going to use it as he leads me. As the children of Israel were redeemed from Egypt, it was the first fruits of their treasure that was given in remembrance of that redemption. When God blesses his people, And believe me, he has blessed us through Jesus Christ beyond compare. It's important that those people acknowledge his gift by returning their first fruits of increase to him. Beware of the traps in this. You're not told to give so you can get. You're told to give because you have been blessed. You're to make application of the holy principles of God's word to your life and you're to show your thankfulness to God's blessings. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction for whom the Lord loves. He corrects just as the father of the son in whom he delights. You must have a proper attitude of acceptance to God's discipline in your life. God in his wisdom mixes prosperity and adversity into our lives. Each one is equally fruitful in molding us into the image of Jesus Christ. They're there for a reason. In prosperity, you have the opportunity, the opportunity to use the substance given to show honor to God. In adversity, you honor him by humble and cheerful submission to his will. This is the discipline that God has worked in the lives of those he loves. But you must be aware that both prosperity and adversity have dangerous pitfalls. You can easily be led astray in either. The true child of God, the the, the one reading and studying the scripture, reading and studying God's word, will hear from the spirit correcting words. If you read God's word, you're going to find something you're doing wrong. And he's going to show you the way to straighten that out. I don't care how long you live, every day there'll be something. That's the nature of God's word. Do not be offended. Be overjoyed, for your heavenly Father is saying, He loves you, and you are indeed one of His from before the foundation of the world. The first two objectives, a close personal relationship with God and a faithful application of God-given principles, By making these two things a part of your life, you will begin to develop the third, a godly perspective on life. With the wisdom of the first two principles we looked at, we begin building this godly perspective on life. Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 15. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. For her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gained and fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Seek God's wisdom. Look for God's wisdom. Search for God's wisdom. Make that your first priority. For the man who finds God's wisdom, he will live an eternal life of happiness. You know, it seems strange to tell people that submission to God's word and discipline will bring happiness. No one likes to be disciplined. But this is true. All who seek God and his truth, all who submit to his direction, they're going to find peace. They're going to learn about this peace and the contentment that goes with it. For they will find the purpose of God for which God created them. What was that purpose? To serve him. To serve his people. That's what we're all to be about. We're to love God and love one another. I trust you see the benefit in valuing the results and the benefits of wisdom. Proverbs 3, 16-18. Length of days are in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who retain her. We see the promise of wisdom of the great queen of heaven. In her right hand, the promise of unending time. In her left hand, durable riches of heavenly blessings. Could you have asked God for more? Is there something more that you would want from him than what is promised right there? In your perspective of the godly life, you must remember that wisdom brings grand results and great benefits to all who call on her. Attune your ears to her words and set your heart to follow her leading. Do not rest until you have filled every nook and cranny of your heart with her counsel. Why do this? Because she will lead you into the way of peace. She will bring you to the banks of heaven's river and to the tree of life. This is where priority, to have a godly perspective in your life, finds its full meaning. It shows that you must acknowledge God's power and sovereignty. Proverbs 3, 19 and 20. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths were broken up and clouds dropped the dew. Dropped down the dew. Can you not see that God is the one who controls all things? He's in control. He founded this world upon nothing, and yet it's so secure that it cannot be moved. It was his understanding that laid out the heavens, and his knowledge parted the waters from the land. It is his doing, his doing, that brings the rain and renews the ground. Think, if he has done all of this, can he not guide you in your life? There's nothing more important in developing developing a proper understanding of your God than that you recognize that He is the Sovereign Lord Almighty, the Creator of all things and the God of all providence. Seeing these truths bring up the fourth objective of the believer, to develop total dependence on God for daily living. Again, We hear Solomon address us as beloved children. Proverbs 3, verses 21 through 23. My son, my children, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, so they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. Hold to wisdom. Hold to wisdom as to to a much-loved treasure. Keep it as your daily guide. Keep it before you. These sayings are worthless if you take them only as suggestions. But when they are kept as principles of life, they're priceless. God's teaching is sound wisdom. It is full of life and substance. This wisdom is a transfiguring divine truth. It changes all who will hear and believe. The person that is alienated from God is in a state of spiritual death. Until the word of God enters into the spiritually dead person's heart, giving light and understanding, they cannot know life. They will not have the ability to face life's challenges, nor can they see to avoid life's pitfalls. The only way to walk safely and not stumble is to walk daily. In God's wisdom. What we as believers want is to find protection from eternal harm. Proverbs 3, verses 24 through 26. When you lie down and you will not be afraid, yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror nor of trouble for the wicked when it comes. From the For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. When your objective in this is to walk daily in God's wisdom, then, then you will experience the sweetness of God's presence. Death holds no fear for those whom God has chosen. When you you have heard the gospel and seen the salvation of the cross, eternity takes on a new meaning. Peace comes to your heart. Death is nothing more than a valley of shadows with a bright light at the other end. To lie down and rest is to lie in the arms of Christ. And the rest is indeed sweet and the place secure. You know the price has been paid, and it is irrevocable. You will not fear the sudden disaster, for your rewards are in heaven and cannot be destroyed nor stolen. You will not fear the final judgment, For you have an advocate, one that will stand in your place and has an offering that God cannot refuse. This is the one who will be your confidence. This is the one who will protect you from the snares of the wicked one. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, the one protecting you from all eternal harm. This is the one who can save your soul. Now, these first four objectives dealt with your vertical relationship with God. The next objective deals with your horizontal relationship with men. You must understand, without the vertical relationship with God, you will never have a solid relationship with man. The hardest area of your life to deal with is selfishness. Proverbs 3, 27 through 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. You are warned not to withhold good to them who deserve it. When it is in your power to to give to those who deserve it and you fail to do so, you have sinned. You may not see that you have a legal obligation to another, but the real issue is your gospel responsibility. Everyone has a claim on your love. Everyone. That's hard for us. Everyone out there has a claim on your love. Every opportunity to do good is your call to do so. It is those around you daily who are the real owners of your good. Jesus has transferred to them his rights over you by calling them his brethren. Therefore, kindness is not a matter of option but of obligation. Faithful service to others is one of your greatest objectives. I know you've all read the, the account in Scripture of, of the Good Samaritan. He was a man that, that nobody, none of the other Jews liked. He was a Samaritan, he was dirt. The priest comes by and he has nothing to do with him. The Levite comes by and he has nothing to do with him. An ordinary Jew comes by. He sees this man and he takes him and helps him. And he pays the, 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 the end to take care of him until he's better. This man showed that he had love for all. That he understood this man was his brother, whether he was a Samaritan or a Jew or a Roman or whatever. We need to look at people as opportunities, those that are unsaved, opportunities to share the gospel, those that saved, opportunities to strengthen their faith. We need to be about doing that. He's talking here about material possessions, but I can guarantee you this, what he means is that you can give them the gospel. If the man comes up to you and it's obvious he's not saved and you try to make an appointment with him later, maybe to give him the gospel, he says, you're sinning. Do it right then. Lay it out for him. Show him his need. Show him Jesus Christ. We can see in this that peaceful relations with others should be our goal. Proverbs 3, 29 through 30. Do not devise evil against your neighbor. For he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not describe with a man without a cause if he has done you no harm. If you're forbidden to hold back good, how much more should you be forbidden to do harm? Men are creatures. Creatures dominated by thoughts and concerns of self. Christians are no different. For they all come from this body of evil men known as humanity. Even Christians at times get tired of waiting on God to act. So they take it upon themselves to act on his behalf. I've seen this so many times. They, they, with their limited knowledge, begin to make judgments of divine proportions. Hiding behind divine goals, they formulate wicked and evil schemes to implement and bring to completion their plans made on God's behalf. Listen, God gives us the way to do things in his word. We need to follow his way, not decide we can do better, because we can't. Follow God's instructions. Too many godly people have been compromised by the wicked schemes of other Christians. They are slandered, they are maligned, made to look evil in the sight of all who listen to this wickedness. It's amazing to me. How men can take small, insignificant things and destroy one with solid character. To accuse and pick at every little thing in someone else's life when they have never sought to do you any harm is a sin of unimaginable horror. You are told it's your responsibility to live at peace with your fellow brothers in Jesus Christ. Encouraging, him, supporting, him, assisting, him. But please, please do not try and drag him down, for he is your brother in Christ. We must separate ourselves from the ungodly. Proverbs 3, verses 31 through 32. Do not envy the oppressor and choose none of his ways. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret counsel is with the upright. Do not envy the oppressor. Do not envy the violent man. Who is this oppressor? Who is the violent man? This is the self centered person who treats others as though they have absolutely no worth. He's the bully, the tyrant, the abuser, the angry man, always in a rage. You're warned to stay clear of his ways. This is not the man you're called upon to emulate. To follow his ways is to blindly stumble down the path of destruction. Look at what God thinks about these men. For the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord. All that have this perverse heart are those who have rebelled against God. How does God see these violent men? Psalm 11, verse 5. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates God hates the wicked he and his wrath is against those that rebel against him always against them you as a believer are to stay as far away from these types of men as possible witness to them yes help them in times of need yes but do not allow them to get close to you and become an influence On your life. What does God do with the righteous man? His secret counsel is with the upright. Now this raises a question. How can a man be, be upright before a holy God? How can you come before a holy God as being upright? There's only one way. To be upright a man must trust in Jesus Christ alone for his salvation. He must acknowledge himself to be a sinner lost and without hope. He must have heard of Christ. He must understand the sacrifice of the cross. That the blood of Jesus Christ shed on that cross was for the forgiveness of sin. He must have with his heart believed in Jesus Christ and with his mouth called upon his name. Then by God's sovereign grace. He would be washed in the blood of Jesus and come before the Father in the righteousness of Christ. Then he would be accepted by God as an upright man separated from the wicked. Live your life in Christ. That's the message. Put your hope and trust in Christ and in Christ alone. Not in anything else. Not your works. Not your church. Not anything else. But Christ. For he alone is the Savior of men. Next, we look at God's blessings. Proverbs 3, verses 33 through 35. The curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise man will inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Based on the works of Jesus Christ, God blesses men and curses men. Those men who believe on Christ are welcome to heaven, and all who do not are condemned to hell forever. Those men that see their own sin and rebellion against God and see their need of a Savior will find favor in the eyes of God. The man that tries to do everything his own way and wants to con God, he will be condemned. He will not find a blessing at the end of his life. All men start out under the curse of God. Adam plunged all into sin and disfavor with God. God was not about to lose all of his creation, though. He sent his Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die and shed his blood, and through that he became our home, and it is indeed a home of righteousness. All who believe in Christ as the Son of God and Savior of men are living in him. All that live in him are blessed of God, and all that don't live in him are under God's curse. He blesses the righteous and condemns the wicked. God's blessing and rewards go far beyond what man's small imagination can conceive. If you will hear his call and believe in his son, then you can set your goal by his word. And your objective by his standards. And I can assure you, there will never ever be a time of regret. Won't you hear his call today? Start following his objectives right now. It will strengthen your hope and it would build you up in your love. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what joy it is to hear your word preached and your truth held high, bringing glory to your name. Help us this day take the truth we find in the objectives you have given us to help us better show our faith and love for you and for your people. Grant us the understanding we need to make our lives a reflection of our Lord. Give us the grace we require to be your witnesses. We know that we can do none of these things you have called us to do without your Holy Spirit working in our hearts. We thank you for this time in your word and worship. May we all grow in our love of you and your worship. We ask these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.